Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. I'm Wyatt Wright, and this show is about your rights and the laws that govern us, rights you've heard of and care about and would certainly miss if they were gone. I've spent half a lifetime watching government go from trying to do what's right and failing to trying to do what's wrong and succeeding. Every year, more and more personal rights are erased from the books while Americans stand idly by. Not because we don't care, of course we care, but because our lives are busy enough trying to feed our families and raise our kids. While we're busying ourselves with life, the metaphorical water temperature is rising all around us like that frog who gets boiled without ever knowing it. On this show, we discuss legal issues that affect you and me, the people of Texas. We'll take a hard look at the laws that affect your freedom, your ability to access the courts, to vote, to speak freely or in short, to live the American dream. Stick around. Today we'll be visiting with Ray Borges, the author of critically acclaimed book entitled Insult to Injury, Insurance Fraud and the Big Business of Bad Faith. Let's dive right in and get wet. On this show, we have many times explored and discussed cases in which corporate influence and greed has affected our country and its citizens. The theme has been developing in corporate America that accountability is bad. That is, they don't want to have to answer for their bad acts. In many cases, we see unchecked corporate influence on the electoral process, such as massive amounts of money spent directly to influence an election. In other cases, we see corporate influence in our legislatures, such as free jets, payoffs, and the promise of a job down the road. Other times, we see corporate influence in our courts, like crony appointments to benches, uh, really, from the U.S. Supreme Court all the way down to all the courts across America. Some will say, Wyatt, that is free speech. People are free to try to influence anybody they want, and I agree. People have that right, not mega corporations. If a mega corporation decides to donate $10 million as its free speech to elect a congressman who will vote their way, how are the people supposed to compete with that. That isn't free speech, ladies and gentlemen. That is paid for politics, pure and simple. As corporate-friendly politics continue to grow, average citizens are told that it's all benefiting them. I mean, this is what we keep hearing, and we believe it, too, until our family gets harmed. Along the way, megacorporations step on anyone who gets in their way. They aren't capable, ladies and gentlemen, of rational thought like a human being is. They don't say, excuse me, if they step on your toes. They exist for one reason only, to make the most money possible while shifting their costs onto someone else. Contaminate a city block? No problem. Get a law passed that requires government to clean it up. People getting hurt making their chemicals? No problem. Pass tort reform that gives them immunity and move all future operations to China or some other country where people work for 20 cents a day and they can't sue if their children are born with three legs. Corporate policy, ladies and gentlemen, is sterile. It's mechanical. It's algebraic. Follow the path that leads to more profits and less accountability, period. So today, today, we're going to look inside the world of a mega corporation, specifically a national disability insurance company. Ladies and gentlemen, insurance companies make money basically three ways. Policy premiums, which 
are fairly stable and not subject to huge increases, at least over time. They're investments, such as the stock market. And three, denying legitimate claims. That's the big money. Every dollar they fail to pay when owed goes directly to their bottom line. Insurance companies know also that fighting them is oftentimes a losing battle because they have unlimited money to spend. Huge law teams on retainer and the time to waste playing chicken to see who blinks first. Certainly, this is not a categorical representation across all insurance. There are many good and honorable insurers out there, but the theme is growing. And now we're going to hear the story about Joan Hangartner, an ambitious woman, worked to get her chiropractic degree and then labored to develop a successful practice. Tragically, she suffered permanent and debilitating injury that ended her professional dreams. But Joan had the foresight, good news, the foresight to have purchased a disability insurance policy, ladies and gentlemen. She paid $3,000 a year for the privilege. This brought her peace of mind, believing that things wouldn't get too bad as she reestablished her life. However, in what we know now as a common nationwide practice, the insurance company denied her claim without caring whether it was a valid claim or not. Luckily for Joan, attorney Ray Borges and his law firm stood up to the insurance company to prove that their treatment wasn't right. It wasn't right. And over the course of a lengthy, lengthy court battle, they learned many things. One of which is that Joan's case, ladies and gentlemen, wasn't the exception to the rule. It was the rule. They uncovered a web of deceit and corporate practice designed to take advantage of disabled people who paid their premiums on time, all to add hundreds of millions of dollars to the insurance company's profits. And along the way, Joan and her two children lost nearly everything. Their home, their car. They're forced into welfare and on food stamps. And ladies and gentlemen, this isn't the story about one person. This person represents a class of people who have been treated much the same way. Hang on to your seats, America. You'll be shocked at what Ray Borges uncovered and embarrassed to learn that our leaders allow it to continue. Just a reminder, you're listening to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. On this program, we point out and discuss the ever-increasing disappearance of our American rights. Joining us today, ladies and gentlemen, is Ray Borges. He's a lawyer from San Francisco, specializing in bad faith insurance litigation. Mr. Borges has served as a special master overseeing insurance reform and has been profiled by many reporting outlets, including including the weekly television programs 60 Minutes and Dateline. His well-written book, Insult to Injury, Insurance Fraud and the Big Business of Bad Faith, describes his firsthand account of the tactics used by a mega, mega insurance company to deny claims. And while I'm sure he's being missed elsewhere right now, we're fortunate to have him with us here today. Ray Borges, thank you for joining us today on the Wyatt Wright Show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. And, you know, Ray, we keep hearing more and more stories about insurance companies run amok, sort of a theme. And, in fact, whenever I talk to somebody who's actually had a claim with an insurance company, let's say, I don't know, in the last eight years, uh, mostly all I'm hearing are complaints about the process. Have modern-day insurance companies really become all that bad? Uh, yes, is the simple answer to that question. Um, I, I do want to start out by saying that, although at the time that I wrote this book, Unum Provident, which is the largest disability insurance carrier in the country, uh, did some pretty horrible things in this case, and, and, and we believe in many, many other cases as well. 
they are uh, one example of a corporation that turns has been able to turn things around. That's uh, good news. As, yeah, I mean, as a result of a number of things that that happened, the president and CEO of the company was let go. They replaced him with others. The legal department has made some uh, very dramatic changes in terms of the way they approach these issues. And uh, you know, I have to say, in all fairness to Unum Provident, that, uh, that they are quickly becoming the poster child of exactly the opposite kind of conduct as that which is described in the book. Uh, however. Uh, don't worry, there are others that are replacing. Well, that's a <laughs> shame. I mean, there I'd are like hitters right, in the form right. of uh, prudential insurance, which is horrible to deal with, MetLife, and a number of other companies that are that have discovered that um, if you deny a claim and you calculate the present value of the future benefits, right. maybe that will sound complicated to some people, but it's actually a simple calculation. If you figure out how much uh, money they owe you per month and translate that into yearly payments, uh, $5,000 a month equals $60,000 a year. If there are 20 years left on your disability payments, you multiply 60000 a year times uh, 20 years, and you come up with $1.2 million if there's a, a COLA in the policy, sure. a little bit less if there is if no there COLA is because you have to And that's, and that's the, cost, the cost of living adjustment, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, I should have explained that. And so you can reduce 1.2 to a little bit less sure. than, than that if, if, there's, uh, if there's no cost of living adjustment in the policy. But the point is you get some of these companies that handle hundreds of thousands of these claims a year. Right. And when you start doing the math, you realize that there are billions of years. I'm sorry, billions, billions of, of dollars. Right. Seems like billions of years to some people, but billions <laughs> right. of dollars. That, that that can be gained as a result of denying these claims. What do most people do? Even if they're in a state like California, which has consumer protections that would uh, try to help people to avoid these kinds of fraudulent activities. Yeah. Let me uh, guess, they give up. Most of those folks are just anxious to get the cases settled. Jeez. So if the present value of their future policy benefits is a million and a half dollars, the company knows that with no money coming in, uh, with bills continuing to accumulate, many of these individuals will settle for 20 and 30 cents on the dollar. Yeah. And the, 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 that's a lot better than these insurance companies can do in the stock market. So they're going to do that. So is this, is this, is this denial of claims? I mean, it sounds like, uh, if this is going on in, 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 with multiple insurance companies across the nation and it's becoming a par for the course, one thing that I read in your book and, and you were, you were letting people know th- this concept of lowballing. Tell, tell us what lowballing is. Well, it, it's an effort to underpay what you owe. And so if the company calculates that it owes, let's just say, a million dollars in future policy benefits, uh, the company will consider uh, what leverage they have in trying to get the policyholder, the insured, to undersettle that claim by offering to cash out, buy out the policy for pennies on the dollar, and that's called lowballing. Dragging people's claims out and putting them in a position where they can't uh, very well do anything about it. Uh, now, there's, is there something out there that's causing this to happen? I mean, it seems to me that something is giving them the incentive to be to be uh, stronger-willed, as it were. Is it this? Is this this concept of ERISA? Well, the ERISA concept is really an abomination, and I'm willing to bet your listeners are not going to believe that this is true, so I urge them to confirm it for themselves. If you get your insurance in the workplace, okay, unless you fit into 
basically two categories of exceptions. If you're a government employee, that's an exception. If you're working for a religious organization, that is a second exception. But with those two exceptions, if you get your insurance at the workplace, you have no rights. The reason is because all of your protections exist under the insurance laws of the states. Texas has an Unfair Claims Practices Act. California has one. They have a Uniform Unfair Practices Act in virtually every state uh, in the union. Okay, okay. So those protections say thou shalt not to the insurance industry. You can't underpay claims. You can't defraud people out of their coverage. You can't uh, engage in fraudulent practices with respect to uh, underpayment of of claims uh, where liability is reasonably clear. You can't do any of those things under these laws. Okay. Well, those laws are flushed down the toilet by ERISA. The Employment Retirement Income Securities Act, an act, by the way, which was originally passed to help employees avoid being defrauded out of their retirement benefits through mergers and acquisitions of their employers. That's what Congress had in mind when they passed ERISA. But the conservative U.S. Supreme Court got their hands on this case years ago, and they said, well, insurance is an employee benefit. And therefore, if you get your insurance in the workplace, that's going to be governed by ERISA, not by state law. And federal law governs, not state law. Well, guess what? There are no protections under federal law, no Unfair Claims Practices Act, no anti-fraud statutes, no consumer protections, no right to a jury trial, no right to to, uh, seek punitive damages, no right to get the present value of your future policy benefits, no right to do anything. So that leaves people without any, without any, 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 any recourse. But virtually no recourse. Right. What you can do is you, if you have $100,000 sitting around, or not that much, but if you have a, a sizable amount of money and you have a, a lawyer, you can file a lawsuit for your contract damages. And after fighting the insurance company for God knows how long and costing you no matter how much uh, it costs you, what you wind up with is your contract benefits that they owed you Got in it. the first place, payable to yesterday. Yeah, And you start all over again tomorrow, and the insurance company can turn around and say, well, we don't think you're disabled anymore, so we're going to cut you off again, see you in court with your lawyer this time around. Maybe we'll have a better a better chance of defeating your claim. Yeah, right. So it's, it's useless. One thing I want to yeah. point out about all of this, why doesn't the federal government regulate insurance? And how did the insurance companies know that? And did the United States Supreme Court, with all of its law clerks, know that at the time that they made this decision of a risk of preemption? Of course they all knew it, because the McCarran-Ferguson Act all right. prohibits the federal government from regulating insurance. Gotcha. That's why there are no protections. So you have no protections under state law because they're preempted, no protections under federal law because they don't exist. Right. And you're out, you're out, you know, yeah, out of luck. You're standing on the curb. And, you know, and even if they pay a case, uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm running through my mind here, and I'm thinking maybe it's for, for image purposes or to keep up appearances or to do something. But, in fact, you have said in your book that, and, and I love this, uh, that when insurance companies brag about all the claims they have paid, it's much like Jesse James talking about all the banks he didn't rob. Is, <laughs> is, is that what's really happening? I mean, I love that quote, but maybe that puts it in perspective. 
That, that is exactly what's happening. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little antidote about this ERISA preemption. Right. Um, I had a meeting, actually, with uh, then-Senator Barack Obama in his Senate office uh, just a short time before he declared that he was going to run for president. Right. And uh, there was a 15-minute meeting that turned into an hour-and-a-half meeting. He was very bright and incredibly uh, aware of what was going on. Uh, with regard to ERISA. And his comment to me was, you know, look, the, the, react, the reaction of the Congress to this is going to be to yawn. They're not going to pass any ERISA reform. It's not going to happen. The insurance lobbies are simply way too powerful. Mm-hmm. This, we, we would never be able to enact this. Now, he's a Democrat, uh, you know, and it would be easy to see why he would blame that on the Republicans being in charge because sure. at that time we had a Republican president. We had a Republican uh, Congress. But now, when he got elected, we had a Democrat in the White House. And it did, nothing happened. And I wrote him a letter. I said, remember our conversation in which you indicated that we could have a risk of reform yeah. if we had Democrats in charge of the Congress in the White House? Now we have that. So can we see some motion in terms of a risk of reform? Never got an answer. I'll be darned. <laughs> but, you know, I suppose we can expect that. Now, let me just say, what did you learn? And here we've got this case now, the case that you, were, that you handled, Joan Hangartner. How many years did that take you? Uh, the whole thing, beginning to end, probably about seven years, seven including years. A, an appeal. Okay, seven years for somebody to get some relief on something that should never have been a question in the first place. That, that's right. Yeah. What did you learn about the inner workings of, of just a large insurance company? I mean, it, it doesn't have to be Unum. It can be whatever. But, but here, here these decisions were being made at a large corporate. Is this something that was – these decisions were made in a back room, or was this really the culture that exists in corporate insurers? It's a culture that exists in all corporations. Unfortunately, um, corporations have a fiduciary duty, meaning the highest duty known to the law, to their stockholders, but they have no duty to the public at large, none. Right. So that if a corporation wants to make a product that's going to explode and kill your child, uh, they can't say, wait a minute, we can't do this. Um, you know, we may not be able to manufacture it in the United States because there are product liability uh, laws here, but we can go ahead and manufacture and sell this product in South America or some other country, in England for that matter, where people don't have the right to sue. There yeah. are no rights to jury trials. We can get away with it. So the bottom line is that to most of these CEOs, there are very rare exceptions. I've frankly yet to meet one. Um, but for most CEOs and presidents of these corporations, they have a very short time frame that they're looking at. They're looking at their stock options. What can we do to increase the value of the stock of this company above the level of our buy-in rights on our stock options? So if the stock is selling for $20 a share, they have options to buy a million shares or whatever at uh, $25 a share. They want to push the price of that stock above $25 a share, right. however they can. If they can do that by increasing profits uh, in the short term, that they're going to do that. They're going to cash in on their options, and they're, they're going to make their multi-million dollar salaries, which are in and of themselves is just out, outrageous. Outrageous. Uh, and, and then they're going to leave, and they're going to turn the company over to somebody else. They're going to retire, and like Mitt Romney, they're going to open up their Swiss bank accounts, and they're going to keep money <laughs> offshore, and that's it. And well, that's why not? Why not? That's the order of things. You that's know, the order. That, yeah. Now, Ray, you, you know, you were you were you were telling uh, uh, us in the in the book, and you just mentioned that you know you in the end were were successful for one person. But l- let me ask you: Do insurance companies really care about a single verdict against them here or there? I mean, did did what you did was you, was it your actions that caused everybody to change? What they were doing? No. 
Did, did your no. verdict phase them? I mean, really? Uh, no, you, you don't. Uh, they've learned. Okay. Corporations have learned that all they've got to do is spend a little money on advertising, and they can make everybody forget everything. Uh, we saw that happen with the flooding in uh, in New Orleans, where the, some of the insurance companies that were outrageously denying claims that people were making, saying that they were only insuring uh, dry storms, not wet storms. Right, right, right. I remember uh, that debacle. Yeah, so... Well, what, what did they do? They sponsored the uh, the Super Bowl, and there you'd be watching in you know, the end zone, and it'd be a big name of an insurance company spelled out every time that somebody was was kicking a field goal or a sure. point after. Hey, you know, the audacity knows no bounds, and uh, I believe I have to tell you, I blame. I blame the American public for this. It's, it's mm-hmm. the fault of the taxpayers. It's the fault of people who don't vote. It's the fault of people who don't think, who don't read, who don't understand what's going on, and who don't have time for it. Yeah. We've, we've got 435 members of Congress, 100 members of the Senate. We've got nine members of the Supreme Court and one president. And these people are making decisions every day that they are preaching against. They are the ones who are causing the budget deficit to go up, not you, not me. They are the ones who are engaged in the activity where they're being paid off left and right by lobbyists and big corporations. We're not getting any of that money. Why don't people wake up? Why don't they say, hey, wait a second, we're losing our democracy here. We're losing the whole idea of a government of by and for the people. For the people. You bet. We're losing it. Why don't we wake up and vote these people, Republicans and Democrats alike, right out of office? Well, that's Why right. There are organized movements to do that, and there are none. That's right. Because and this is not a political issue. This is a, this is a democracy issue. And and when you think about uh, rulings such as the Citizens United versus FEC opinion, which we have covered on this show, that that in many ways uh, gave corporate entities uh, uh, the, the personhood. Uh, when we start thinking about when the when the issue comes down to a decision that has to be made. And on one side of the equation is corporate American, on the other side are human beings. It seems to me the answer ought to be obvious. And the human beings uh, that, are, that are making up the electorate, where are they and why aren't we coming out? You know, Ray, something else that you pointed out was uh, that Congress w- wasn't acting. You, you just said it now, but it was in your book. This is something that has been going on. And you even pointed out, uh, I, I, I highlighted this section, that Texas Senator John Cornyn was among those, was among those those in Congress who who would have liked to have helped big insurance more by giving them more money to to go against the little guy by taxing attorney's fees for everybody who went after corporate misconduct. This is the wrong direction. I mean, how on earth could this even pass the smell test? I, you know, it's, it's hard to understand. I, I mean, the insurance companies are very smart and sure. corporate America is very smart. They know that there are issues that they can arouse the public with, and and lawyers have played right into it. A lot of lawyers have done some stupid things that have resulted in, in a lot of bad publicity for the legal profession, and I, I blame the legal profession for those things that, are, that fit into that category. But most lawyers, the overwhelming majority of them, that are representing consumers in disputes with big corporations and with against government are good guys. I mean, they really are. And yet right. they've been demonized, and the tort reform and all this other stuff has come about as a result of that. And the big corporations know what they're doing. They want jury panels that are going to hate trial lawyers. They're going to sit, they're going to sit down in the jury assembly room, and they're going to say, too many lawsuits, too much litigation, too big verdicts. 
then this is all wrong. A pox on their houses, and you know we we're going to side with corporate America. Besides, we're tough. Right. You know we're the, we're not wimps. We can go ahead and stand up for ourselves. And if somebody's going to be grumbling and complaining that he doesn't that they don't have any health care insurance, then they have cancer or they have kidney problems or whatever, and it's going to cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they're going to lose everything they've worked for during their entire lives as a result of their of their illness. Right. Man, that's too bad for them. You know, right. we took care of ourselves, and they should take care of their sure. And let's, sure, and let's vilify this. Let's vilify the system uh, without realizing that this affects everybody, not just someone who doesn't live on your block. Uh, and you know. If Congress isn't doing something about this problem, then aren't we just rewarding bad behavior? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, and this is something that, that, re, that reminds me that this theme is one that just keeps repeating itself until we're able to cut through the rhetoric. And maybe you'll agree with me, Ray. Tell me if you do. This is not, this is not a political issue. This is a, a human issue, a citizen issue versus those things which are intangible, taking advantage of, of the citizens. Well, I, I agree with you in large part, but I think it, it, it's not a Republican-Democratic issue. There you go. It, it shouldn't be. There you go. Uh, but it is a political issue in that the folks that are making the decisions that are keeping the system working the way that it is are all politicians. Well, you're right about that, and I should have stated it that way. Really, what we're talking about is not one particular belief system or another, but it certainly is a political maneuver, isn't it? Something yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what happened to the system. I, I can remember a long time ago when I was a kid growing up on the East Coast, and Republicans in those days were simply people who believed in smaller government, and they believed in, in uh, principles that I think almost everybody would agree sure. with today. Sure. And somehow or other, that party was hijacked, and the Democrats have been hijacked as well by the special interest, and they are, I mean, we get a, we get a United States Supreme Court handpicked by that process. That's it. And they make a decision saying it's okay for corporations to be looked at as people, and even foreign corporations can dictate American elections yes, by I contributing know. money. I mean, that's how it's crazy amazing. is that? You know, Ray, I tell you what, we're running short on time, but I'm going to tell you, thank you for all the work that you've done, uh, not only for your clients, but for trying to bring these issues to light. Uh, thank you for spending time with us today. You're very welcome. Thank you. You betcha. And reminder, you're listening to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, people are losing access to justice every week. Every week, our laws are being pulled apart piece by piece. We've forgotten what it means to be human beings. These folks are beholden to big corporations to support them and put them in office. If we don't take control of our Congress and our representatives, we're letting it happen. Rulings and laws that deliberately allow wrongdoers to escape liability is a stain on America. If we're not all accountable for our actions, and that includes mega corporations, the rule of law will mean very little indeed. Don't let it happen. Our children deserve better. We're going to have to wrap this show up, but as you go through your week, remember that it was Justice Learned Hand who said, if we're to keep our democracy, there must be one commandment, thou shalt not ration justice. Have a good day, everybody. Come visit us on the web at wyattwrightshow.com or like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes Store. Talk to you next week right here on The Wyatt Wright Show. Wyatt!